Hello and welcome to the Foster Podcast. I'm your host, Angel Foster. And today we have our very first guest on, Miss Robin hey. Renee. And take a breath. I need to take a breath. Inhale through the nose. Ha. Huh. Sound exhale through the mouth. You did that so much in our class today. And I was like, should I be doing that more? Robin came to Pilates with me today, and every time we had to breathe, she would be like, ah, and I'm like, maybe I should be doing that more, because no one else ever did that in the class. You exhale on an effort, and you match your breath, you match your exhale to that effort. And I don't know if it nods 100% uh, doing pre and postnatal fitness. Your breath is so important, and I don't mm. think that's just for like our prenatal mamas or our postpartum mamas, but like just the breath in and of itself is a core exercise. Mm. So, our man, now we're gonna go down through the. I know, anatomy. like before we get into the breath, let me just finish introducing <laughs> you. Robin is a certified pre and postnatal fitness specialist and a women's holistic health coach. Clearly, by the way, she was just getting into the breath. She's also a plant based foodie and an entrepreneur. We met on Bumble. And been hanging out ever since. We've been hanging out ever since. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're like a thing now. We're like a thing now. But I wanted to have Robin on because I recently have gone through a journey of getting off my birth control. I've been off of it for about, I said two weeks earlier, but I think it's actually been three weeks. Um, you go. Yes. Woo. Three weeks post birth control. <laughs> you were a huge influence in that because I really didn't know girls were out here like off birth control, but still like being sexually active and knowing like you also have a partner and like we're off birth control, like really intrigued me. And we had a conversation after getting ramen and you were telling me about how birth control can just like disrupt our hormones in a major way. And so I just love for you to talk about that because I think myself included, like I just didn't know there was like another way to be sexually active. Like as soon as I started having sex, I immediately went and got on birth control. And just to give y'all a little background on my birth control journey, I had the Nexplanon birth control. And for the first, the first time I had it, like it was amazing. I was obsessed. I didn't get a period. I didn't have any of the symptoms that they claimed you would have. Like I was obsessed and was like recommending it. Like I prayed at the house of next one on like I loved it but then I was creeping up on the time where it was supposed to get like renewed and so I went and got it renewed and something in that time the way the doctor explained it to me when I was getting it removed she was saying like when you have that hormone like when you first get it inserted like it's a heavy like it's giving you a heavy pounding of that hormone. And then slowly over time, it decreases because your body's used to it. And so when you get it taken out and a new one put in, it's putting you right back to that high level dose again. And I think with that dose, like it was just too much. And I gained 45 pounds. I was super irritable. I was short with everybody. Like I just did not feel good in my body, but I didn't relate it to the birth control because everyone was saying like, it's, it has to be something else because this birth control is the holy grail and it doesn't do any of those things. And so I was dieting crazy. I'm thinking it's literally every other thing. But when I met you, you were like, nah, girl, like birth control can really fuck you up. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just want you to talk about that a little bit. I'm trying to think. I started birth control, I think, when I was 15, six, 15 16, mm -hmm. somewhere around that. Because that's when I started being sexually active. And I was on the Nuva Ring. And I just remember wanting to do the Nuva Ring because it seemed like to be the least 
invasive. And it also seemed like the easiest to use because it didn't have to be like done every single day. Because mm-hmm. Lord knows I would not remember to get that pill. Girl, me neither. It's, it's fine though. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, the NuvaRing, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And I was on it and I immediately remember already feeling some kind of like emotional. I just remember like talking to my sister, like anytime my period was about to come around, um, because with the ring you could choose, not necessarily choose when you wanted your period, but you'd have three weeks on. And if you wanted to have a period, you took out the ring, mm-hmm. you could have a period and then insert the ring back in and you would just go like that. But you could also, if you wanted to like not have your period. Yeah. You which a lot of girls in. do. Yeah. A lot. Of, yes. A hundred percent. And I remember every time when right around when my period was about to happen, I just felt an extreme like depressive state. Like I was sad. I was starting arguments with people for no good reason. I wanted to cry, but I was like, people would be like, well, Robin, why are you sad? Why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And me being a cancer, I'm like, I'm just a cancer. But it's like, no, girl, (laughs) cancers do not cry this much. (laughs) I already knew at a pretty early stage in me using birth control that I didn't feel right on it. Um, And then, of course, you know, you go through phases where like, oh, I'm not sexually active. I'm not going to use this birth control anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those people that had some kind of like who had acne and a doctor put me on it early. Yeah. Or I had some kind of like menstrual pain and doctors like, oh, this birth control is going to make your periods easier. I wasn't like that. So I was like, well, if I'm not sexually active, I don't have to be on it. And then, um, you know, life happens when you're not on it because, you know, not too many people educate you on mm-hmm. your body, how it works, um, what is the menstrual cycle, what phases are your menstrual, what phase of the menstrual cycle are you in? Nobody tells you these things. These are like things you have to figure out yourself. Um, so there was a lot of scares. Yeah. I had a whole lot of scares. And it just got to the point where I was getting, I was frustrated and angry. And I would ask my doctors like, because the biggest thing for me is I didn't like, and it, I feel like maybe I'm lucky that I just didn't like how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like being depressed because I'm so used to being happy-go-lucky. People know me as yeah. somebody who is pretty positive. So for me not to be that, it's kind of like I was being disassociated from who I knew myself to be. So I remember going to doctors and just being like, I want a birth control method. I don't want any hormones. And like, well, you could use the copper IUD, mm-hmm. but something didn't sit with me right about like having something like right next to my uterus that could possibly potentially get stuck there or transfer somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so many, like I was thinking of going on that next and literally like the next podcast I listened to, not even like thinking I was going to hear about an IUD horror story. Like that's yeah. what I, so I, I took that as a sign to like not like get Like maybe it. this isn't for me. Yeah. Like the, her, they leave these strings out for the doctors to be able to pull out when the three years are up. But this girl, like her strings got sucked up into her um, uterus. And so they couldn't like pull it out. And so Mm. she went to Planned Parenthood because her um, OBGYN couldn't get it out and they were able to get it out. But she was like, it was extremely painful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad though. I do want to add in that, you know, everybody's body is different. So for me, I knew birth control wasn't working for Mm -hmm. me. So I stopped using it, but let like let's be honest like there's women who are using it and they're happy using yeah. it doing whatever method that they're using and i think that's amazing yeah um so no this is not shaming it. birth control this is just like we're just sharing like our stories like of getting off of it yeah 100 percent. i remember talking to my doctors and just being like give me some kind of option that's yeah. not hormonal and they couldn't they couldn't give me anything i was like okay if i get a shot 
that's painful. Really hate needles. I'm a scared of needles. I'm a baby. Yeah. I'm like five. So, and they said the shot was going to be in my, like in my bum. Like, no, yeah. I will pass. And then also you look at the, and you have uh, to get it like every three months. You have to get it every three months. And I looked at the label and apparently like, you really don't even want to be on the shot for that long. It can like make your bones weak. So oh my God. that's on the box. And <laughs> that's on the box. <laughs> <laughs> that's on the box. So did you see the box? <laughs> I am, where did I see the box? Yeah. I am got, I'm a part of this, um, Nicole Jardim. I think she's a period girl. She sends these awesome newsletters every week and she talks about, um, kind of like little information like that. Okay. Where she talks about things that are on the box, things you need to be, bear, be aware of in your birth control. Um, we'll put this in the show notes. I'm, I need to subscribe to this too. Yeah. Look her up. She's okay. awesome. Say the name one more time. Nicole Jardim. Nicole Jardim. Nicole J. Love um, her. So yeah, she's the period girl. And um, so there's a shot. There is the arm implant. There is NuvaRing. There is the spermicide. Mm-hmm. I'm probably the pill. Am I forgetting anything? I'm probably the diaphragm cup, the condoms. Yeah. Um, but it just occurred for me. Oh, and then the uh, hormonal IUD versus the copper IUD, things like that. But it got to a point where I was just tired of, you know, Constantly when I was off birth control, when I was on birth control, I wasn't feeling good. When I was off birth control, I, it just wasn't working out. And so I was like, okay, um, you know what? Just the best thing besides uh, getting something next to my uterus, I'll just get something implanted in my arm. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got Nexplanon. Nexplanon. Nexplanon twins. Nexplanon twins. Nexplanon, similar to you, I didn't feel right. Uh, I stopped enjoying sex. Oh yeah, enjoyable. I forgot. That's the hugest part of it. I didn't have a sex drive anymore, which was like insane. Like growing up, I was like the biggest, like I didn't have sex. Like I was like very indoctrinated <laughs> with like um, the church and being like, you need to be a virgin. But I was like watching porn all the time. Like I was just like obsessed, like sex on the brain, like 24 seven. Which is healthy. Yes. And so as soon as I got the next one on, I just completely gone like and that's sad because it's like you get on birth control to have sex yeah so you can enjoy (laughs) it and feel safe and feel confident and you know but all of a sudden you get this thing inserted in you Mm -hmm. and you can't even enjoy the one thing that you wanted to enjoy which is why you had it in the first place so it's like what's the point yeah literally yeah i forgot about that yeah that i think was one of the biggest things like i can't even enjoy this which sucks when you have a partner And, you know, you and your partner want to be intimate and have like this amazing moment together, but you're not even about it. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with your partner, but it has everything to do with how you're feeling in that moment. Literally. And then like now there's a breakdown in your relationship because you can't even enjoy the one thing that makes you feel connected. Literally. Yeah. And I will say like, as soon as I got the birth control out, like the next time I had sex, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it's different. different. Oh my gosh. It was like, wow. I felt like I was a baby teenager or something like it's amazing. And I was like, this is what I've been missing. You literally forget. Like, and I thought, not that I didn't think sex was good, like when I was on it, but like, I just, I had to like work myself up to be like, 
<sighs> and so like to actually feel like horny again yeah. has been amazing. Aw. Yay. That's like a glow up. Yes, we love it. Love a glow up. <laughs> we love us horny girls. <laughs> so that was the breakdown with that. And I honestly don't even think I was on Explanon for a year, but it also probably didn't help because I personally was influenced by Abby Epstein's documentary, The Business of Birth Control. Okay. Um, and it pretty much goes over a little bit of the history of birth control. Uh, Margaret Singer, who was like the pioneer of birth control. Mm -hmm. And I also read a book called Killing the Black Body. Haven't finished it yet. Definitely need to. That is it. That book is heavy. Um, it definitely is taking me time just because it's a really heavy book. I think it was by Dorothy. I can't think of her last name. We'll have to look it up. Put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Um, put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but I was just, you know, you hear about the history of birth control and maybe it helped. Um, as Angel stated, I do pre and postnatal fitness and it also doesn't help that I already knew the history of obstetrics in America, which were also abysmal. What's that? You know, midwife or midwifery started in the black community. Mm, um, I older, didn't know that. Older black women were taking care of, you know, the black women in our population. And it was taken by white doctors mm. and made... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They kind of put it in a box. But the issue is midwives were doing the great things in their communities when we're birthing babies. And then it's kind of like they took it and made it something that it wasn't. They made it more, um, I guess they just whitewashed it. Yeah. But once again, um, yeah, if you have the time in your spare time, 100% look it up. What's the word again? Say the word. Um, midwives or obstetrics? Obstetrics, that's the word. Yeah, look up the history of it. Okay. Um, it's kind of dark and insane what we put mothers through to birth their children. Mm -hmm. But in regards to um, killing the black body, I was talking about the history of birth control. And I learned that actually Nexplanon, a previous version of it, which definitely got taken off the market. I can't think of the name of it now, but apparently instead of one band, it used to be five bands that sprung out like a, almost like a flower. Yeah. And, um, Due to the breakdowns that women were having with that, they took it off the market. My mom and had that. The when five. She, yeah. When she found out that I had an explant, she was like, get it out your body ASAP. Because it had, she had terrible side effects. Smart mom. And that was actually the birth control that was fed out in the black community because, um, you know, some people like the idea of, yes, birth control is kind of walked around and preached as a, like a liberation for women. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you get to control uh, when you birth kids, like you have control of your whole, like, you know, menstrual cycle, you have control of when you have kids, when you don't have kids. And it's extremely liberating. I agree that that can be liberating. What I disagree with is necessarily like the methods of how we go about it. Yeah. So Margaret Singer, we chatted about, she was heavy in the eugenics community. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if I would consider Margaret a racist, but she definitely used, um, the rate, the, um, the KKK and people who, uh, with racist tendencies and prejudices, uh, she used that narrative to push it into the black communities. Yeah. She also worked with black leaders, interestingly enough, which is why I feel like it's kind of a gray area, whether she was a racist or not, definitely into eugenics, a hundred percent, no doubt about that. But <laughs> <laughs> more interesting in the fact that we were pushing it on these minority groups that people felt like shouldn't be having kids. It's really fucked up. I think being a black person, especially a black woman in America, like, yes, I want to take part and like be like pro birth control, but at the same time, like have to acknowledge like the heart, like the really 
dark history of a lot of these of things. Because, like, I mean, I'm sure black bodies were even experimented on to get these, you know, birth control methods in the first place. The one that stands out to me, which I found was interesting, and I can't necessarily quote the exact um, the exact uh, study that she did, but Margaret went to Puerto Rico and tested it tested like the initial stages of birth control on Puerto Rican women. Oh, wow. And those women were not showing good results, which is why I'm like, oh, birth control being great. Yes, I love the idea, but how we're doing it, I don't know. Because like, because it was deeply rooted in eugenics, the first like rounds of birth control for women were not the best Mm. because they were like, oh, it's good enough that they're not having babies, but it's also not good enough that they're safely doing it. It highly impacts our hormones. It highly messes up our cycle. um, And it can cause serious issues in our health when we are not ovulating like we were meant to be. Those Puerto Rican women did not all make it, um, but they were like, you know what? It's a small enough number where it's fine. We can push this out. I'd love to like talk about what methods you're using currently as oh, sexually, yes, yes, yes. sexually active so girly. I was getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely took a huge pivot. So I started getting into more holistic spaces. I got certified in a program called the Integrative Institute of Holistic the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I Oh, am. I love them. I Do am. you really? Yeah. Um Melissa Wood Health, she's like a huge Aww. proponent of them. I was actually thinking about like when we were talking, we went and visited this school earlier that is in, based in Berkeley, but is not a thing anymore. I was thinking, I'm like, well, maybe I should do IAN. So I, I love IAN. I'm certified through them. Nice. Hey. So I did IAN and I was doing one of their hormonal health courses. Nice. And I don't know what it was, but when I was in their hormonal course, it was like, they give, you know, they give handouts when mm-hmm. you're studying the courses and stuff like that. And it was like in small print at the very bottom of the screen, like something about natural birth control. I was like, what? And like my ears perked up. Mm. And I was like, you mean like there's a way I can do this? Like The same conversation I was trying to have with my previous doctors, multiple doctors about how can I do uh, birth control without hormones? Like something that they can't tell me or don't tell me. And there's something right here in the fine print. It felt like I don't know. I don't even know how I even saw that, but I just started Googling it and it's a method. It's called FAM and I don't necessarily hundred percent do FAM, but what I love about FAM and why I would recommend it is because it gives you three ways that your body can let you know if you're ovulating. So something that isn't, I don't know if this is mainstream news. I think now that more women are knowing to like, Hey, we got to educate ourselves about our bodies, but we ovulate one day out of 30. So like that means there's really only one opportunity for my body to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, there is a window because sperm can hang out up in there and get comfortable and wait for that window to happen, which is why I think the I'm not I don't exactly remember if it's like 5 to 8 days I think that you can get pregnant, but only one day does your body drop an egg where the egg can get fertilized. Um so knowing that has been very helpful. I love, no, literally, because when you came over the other day, you were saying you had sex and that you were thinking of taking a plan B, but then you were like, wait, I actually, Wait a minute. you were like, I know my body and you figured it out. And I did a little bit of math. You did a yeah. little bit of math. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, if I have my period this day, then, and the issue is though, you do need to know like your body's pattern. Okay. Right. Um, like I said, we're very like cycles 
our body goes through these cycles and every woman's cycle is different. Um, you could have a 28 day cycle all the way up to like a 30 day cycle or even a 31 cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, most women are connected to the phases of the moon. The moon's cycles are very mm-hmm. similar to a woman's cycle. And I personally, because this is this journey is actually pretty new for me too, I'm getting off of next one on and trying to find my new cycle because Lord knows it threw it off. Um, whether I had to figure out if I have a 28 day cycle, then I'm probably going to ovulate on this day. If I have a 30 day cycle, then I'm probably going to be ovulating on this day. So I figured out what span of time that would be. So if this was my period, then that means my ovulation is probably going to be from this day to this day. Has those days already passed? Yes. Okay, great. I'm probably expecting my period this between this day and this day. Is that, oh, that's tomorrow. Okay, cool. That means tomorrow I should be getting my period, meaning the odds of me getting pregnant are extremely low. Right. So um, no plan B. So save your no, money, girl. No <laughs> plan B. Save the 50 bucks. Once again, you do need to be very careful mm-hmm. with all of that just because like if I'm a, if I'm an irregular girl, like my period changes every day different cycle. Like maybe one di- one one month, I'm 28 days. The next month, I'm 30. If I'm a regular, that might not necessarily work. Um, so you really do need to know your body yeah, and know if your body, my body has always been pretty on a pattern. Yeah. I just have to re I just have to figure out the new pattern. So yes, that ended up working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into wellness in the first place? Like how I found wellness was finding like dieting and then women being like white women specifically being like, this is wellness. And I'm like, Oh, dieting can be wellness. And then getting deeper in the space, finding out like, Oh, black women are in the space too. And like wellness doesn't just mean like dieting. It means like whole body and like health. And like, even there's like sexual wellness and, but it still feels like there's a lack of black women in the space. And so I'm just curious, like how you came to this and, and decided to like take up space in this industry. Well, I tell everybody that um, I did not find fitness, wellness, fitness and wellness found me. Mm. Um, it was very helpful though, that I do have a mom who's like, you know, she's like a flower child. Okay, She brought me to her meditation circles, her drum circles. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. My mom, she is some kind of woman. I tell you. What's her sign? Um, she's a Taurus. A Taurus. We love a Taurus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so maybe from her influence, I already had a little bit of that in me. Okay. Um, I was hanging around a few yoga studios just because I like the idea of, um, I don't know why yoga appealed to me at first. Once again, maybe it's because my mom was bringing me around Mm -hmm. just that kind of community in general. So I started, um, doing like those uh, barter programs where like I can work at a yoga studio and get free yoga, cool. which was amazing. How but old were you when you were doing that? Probably like 18. Okay, cool. 19. Yeah. Um, definitely a little bit older um, doing those barter programs. But so when I really got into it though, and like thought that I could actually make this like something that I do for a living, mm-hmm. I was just a girl who needed a job and an Orange Theory Fitness was hiring and I found out very quickly that I was hired for the wrong job. Um, I was hired to work behind their front desk. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just I went into training to learn how to sell their memberships and walked out with an inspiration. I saw the coaches training. I was like, damn, I need to be doing that. Mm. That's what I need to be doing. And I didn't exactly know why I felt called to it, but I did. And as soon as I, you know, that's a journey of itself because this is somebody who no background in fitness, no background in wellness, nothing. But that's why I say I feel like it really called me because like 
I went. I didn't exactly know why I wanted this. I thought it looked like fun. I thought it looked it looked like something that I could do. And I got bit by the bug. I started going to workout classes, had a blast, started getting more into fitness, started going to different fitness classes, had a blast. And it's just like, wow, like this is amazing. But to your point, yeah, 100%, it's rare when I can go to a fitness class and I see women around me that look like me and women who are instructing the classes who look like me for sure. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think it's harder for women, like black women to get into this industry? It could potentially just be a lack of representation. Yeah. Because like, if I go into a fitness class and I don't feel like I belong here, what's going to make me think that I like belong even coaching the classes? Literally. If I'm in a class, like, I mean, first off, it's hard to walk into a gym. It's hard to walk into a Pilates studio, a yoga studio. Um, because for whatever reason, whether I'm, I don't want people to think that, you know, I don't, first off, I don't want to look like I don't belong first off. Yeah. Like I walk in here, am I doing things right? Are people going to tell that this is my first time in here? Things like that. Am I going to look like an idiot? Are people going to judge me when I'm doing these movements? Like it's a, it's a high pressure sometimes yeah. to just come into wellness spaces and fitness spaces in general. And so I think when I go into a fitness class and I see an instructor who looks nothing like me, I'm not necessarily inspired to lead those classes. Or even when I'm instructing, it's like, I don't know. I think there is a lack of representation, which makes me think like, oh, I don't know if like this is necessarily even my space. Mm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I definitely agree. I mean, like I said, I talked about it on my last podcast, like how I'm in there with like these skinny ass girls. I mean, you were there today. I brought Robin to class today and the girls are so skinny in there. And definitely we were the only black girls in there. And every time I'm just like having to reconvince myself that I deserve to be there, even though I pay my money the same way everyone else does. And I've mm -hmm. been taking classes regularly, but I think because I exist in a black larger body, I just, I just have to constantly convince myself like I deserve to take up space in these places and I also feel conflicted because I feel like I constantly need to be like I'm trying to lose weight or something like I need to qualify my being there with like I'm wanting to lose weight or something like that and it's like I don't need to qualify my being here with no reason like I constantly change on if I want to lose weight or not like I go back and forth with it literally every day and I think I don't, I just need to get over like feeling like I need to qualify my being in wellness spaces with a need to lose weight. I, I feel like probably other people deal with that too. Oh, um, yeah. And just feel like it's okay to be there. But I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like I actually have an interest in wanting to like teach Pilates classes, but I think like who would listen to me, you know, like, but I feel like I need to look a certain way or I know we talked about this before too. Like mm -hmm. you feel like you need to stay in shape. What, what even is, does that mean? But, you know, you feel like you need to look a certain way so people will keep taking your classes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. But you already know how I feel about you instructing. I think you should just do the dang yeah. thing. Yeah. You're so encouraging. Yeah. I, I think I just need to get over myself. But I think it's hard because it's like literally like all white women, all skinny white women is like, like what what do they, I don't know. I think I just need to get over the fact like I have value and like if I went through this instructor training, like I could teach them yes. instead of being like, why would a skinny white girl want to listen to a big black girl? But who's worried about that? 
Me, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's valid. But I mean, at the same time, you attract your tribe. That's true. So like if you're holding space and somebody doesn't want to be in the space, cool. Okay. Then who does want to be in the space? Yeah. And those people will show up. That's real. I think what also messes me up is like where I take Pilates, like all the marketing, like like their Instagram, they just need to do better work of like showing other bodies on their Instagram and stuff. Cause I'm also like, do I even want to work at a place like this where they only like highlight skinny, skinny white girls? But here's the thing. You could be anywhere. That's what I was saying. I, I found it interesting. Um, and anybody correct me if I'm wrong, but Pilates seems to be the only like fitness space where they charge their instructors to learn how to do the craft and work at their studio. I found that to be really interesting. Yeah. But I just feel like if they're going to charge you to do it, then you could do it wherever the hell you want. That's true. You know, shoot, if you want to open up your own studio or get your, I have a good girlfriend. She got a reformer and now she does privates from where she will, from where she lives. She brings people over and charges with her reformer at her house. That sounds really cool. Ugh, you're you're opening my my mind up to new possibilities. Yeah, seriously. Honestly, seeing you inspires me. Like I never knew like a fitness instructor or somebody in this space who was a black woman. And so I'm, but I always like had that aspiration. And so like seeing you and like getting encouragement from you makes me be like, okay, maybe it is possible. Oh, are you trying to make me cry? No, I'm not <laughs> trying to make you cry. I'm just comm- <laughs> that is really how I feel. So speaking of like fitness and fitness training, like how do you you maintain your current workouts and like what is like working out and like fitness like what's your relationship to that now that you train people to do that um now it's like wherever I can get it in I will fit it in yeah mainly because people um their workouts it's I work the times I want to work out are the times I'm training people Mm. those are the perfect times to work out what time is are those people love to work out at um like really early in the morning, I love a 620 workout. I feel yeah. great, um, but I'm coaching at that time. Mm. Um, or I people work out at like the 530. That's a perfect time. I'd love to work out at that time. Um, like a.m.? P.M. P.M. Okay. And yes, we have 5 a.m. classes too. That, at that time, I would like to personally be in bed. Or you know what? Working on my own, like getting up super early. So if I'm yeah. up that early, it's because I'm training somebody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like with my own personal fitness routine... I don't, I might, I definitely don't work out as much as people think. Um, I think that the biggest thing in my personal health and wellness journey is right now building more moments of mindfulness. Mm. Um, I am not the advocate of go, 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 burn your body to the brim, no pain, no game. I'm not necessarily an advocate of that. Um, Honestly, I think for me, the more intentional my workouts can be, um, the slower, the more intentional, the more I can really like focus on certain body parts, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also not, and you know, people come to me and they're like, Robin, like, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. Okay, great. What if, you know, (laughs) we took the focus off your weight and mainly focused on your lifestyle habits, I specialize in behavior change. So what if we focus on life, so small, simple lifestyle changes? You know, like if you weren't working out before, cool. How can we fit in like one workout per week? Yeah. How can we even get that into your schedule where you can like start a routine one to two or you add in a walk and you start putting in like neat being like non-exercise activity, like 
you know, maybe I take the stairs instead of taking the elevator. Mm. How can we build in small little lifestyle habits into your everyday life? And, you know, once also like focusing on nutrition, what you're putting into your body, like how can we add mindfulness, things like that. So it's a natural progression to weight loss. Yeah. I don't like necessarily being like, okay, what's your goal? You want to lose 20 pounds? Cool. We're going to lose 20. I mean, sure. Maybe that can be like a secondary thing, but if we focus, I'm a strong believer If you're eating things that your body loves for you to eat, such as mainly a plant-based diet with like maybe little little burst of protein here and there, like Mm -hmm. if you want to eat chicken, cool, just don't eat it in excess or you want to eat shrimp, whatever, just not like moderation is beautiful. Yeah. Um, So if we're, I believe if we're eating things that makes our body feel good, um, if we're having an active lifestyle weight loss is going to be inevitable. As somebody who's been on so many weight loss journeys like that, has every time someone has said what you just said, like I have not wanted to hear that. But through these past months of like going to Pilates and like just adding in, adding in these little moments of like doing what makes my body feel good, like that has been, I feel like the biggest game changer and not so focused on like the number on the scale, even though I am becoming, a, I bought a scale recently. And so like I am becoming like a bit more obsessive with it, which is, its own ordeal and I'll deal with it when I deal with it. But (laughs) I feel like the more I just focus on like exactly what you're saying, like the better I feel in my body. And like, that's the more important thing. I think it's just hard because like you obviously aren't seeing the changes from like taking the stairs here and there or um, putting good things in your body. Like you don't see those changes immediately, but what you do see is like something in the mirror that you don't like. And that is like what you decide to focus on, which is like you have to change your mindset and your relationship to your body. It's just hard. I think I think everybody deals with it, no matter if you're 200 plus pounds, if you're 100 something pounds. Like I don't I think everybody has like a weird relationship to their body a little bit. Maybe you don't, but I feel like a lot of people no, do. I do, too. 100 yeah. percent. Because like, you know. I think <laughs> I just recently did an in-body scan, which is a machine that does electrical impedances up and down. It lets you know how much fat you have in your body. Oh, I want to do one of those. Is that like a DEXA scan or is it different? Something like that. Okay. Come to Orange Theory Fitness Girl. I'll hook you up. Okay. Um, And so I, re- I remember looking at my most recent one and my most recent one is... I get it did not necessarily take a turn for the positive, apparently. Okay. Um, but I was my fittest, apparently, when I because I've been doing this, you know, I guess for the last two years, um, doing that in body scan. And I was my fittest maybe about like a year ago, like my slimmest, my mo- but the thing is, my muscle got I gained in muscle, mm-hmm. my weight went up, uh, the, my fat percentage went up, but also like my muscle went up, which okay. is kind of cool. Um, cool because like, okay, I look very similar, Mm -hmm. but yet I weigh more. And I don't necessarily weigh more because I have more fat on my body. That's a little bit of it, but I also have more muscle. Mm. That's another thing. Like, and this is why a lot of, I think this is why a lot of fitness professionals will be like, we can't really worry too much about the weight on a scale because you don't know exactly is that how much of that weight is muscle and how much of of that weight is fat. Um, and plus muscle is more dense than fat. So it's going to weigh more. Yeah. So it can be hard when you're like, you know, really working on all the things that, you know, you need to be doing. Maybe it's not going fast enough, but you're like, I went up in weight. Yeah. It could also mean that you went up in muscle. So we really don't know. Um, and that's why the number can be very discouraging. Plus our body naturally fluctuates like plus or minus five pounds. Mm. So 
when it comes to like weighing yourself, we definitely shouldn't be weighing ourselves every day. I know. I um, need to stop it. I think what has me is like, <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid, but Kim Kardashian like lost a bunch of weight very recently. Like, um, she lost like 16 pounds in like three weeks. And now like she's so skinny. And I think what's happening is that like heroin chic and like that really skinny body type is becoming like trendy again. And like every, like all the body positivity and all that stuff is like, like that was kind of like a trend too in and of itself. And so it feels like we're going in the other way and like skinny bodies are back in, like that's what it is. And so I think being inundated with that on the daily through like social media, like makes me be like, okay, I need to really like lose weight or whatever. Whereas like I maybe wasn't like I maybe wasn't feeling like that a month or two ago. I'm I'm trying to be more honest and like talk about it now because I feel like a lot of people don't talk about like how their mind can shift in and out of this space. And I think overall I just want to be focused on like living a healthy lifestyle. But it is so hard. And like maybe I just shouldn't have bought maybe I just shouldn't have bought the scale and maybe I need to get rid of it. But it's just so easy. Like you see it there in the bathroom and you just weigh yourself every single day. But when you step on the scale, is there a positive interaction with the scale or is, does it usually end up being negative? That's like, a good question. Now this is turning into therapy. <laughs> um, I would say this past week is negative and it probably wasn't even good for me to like be weighing myself because like I was on my period. Like obviously like that's not the best time to be weighing yourself. So yeah, I would say maybe most of the time negative. I mean, if it goes down, it's positive. Like I'm happy, but yeah. <laughs> but how often does that happen? It really varies. Like this past week, it was going up because of my period, but we'll see. We'll just see what this week holds. <laughs> you really have to, um, I'll probably cut this out. I don't know if I want to put this in. Yeah. But you, I would recommend weighing yourself maybe every two weeks to a month. Really? You'd really, you can see a legit trend. Like I said, your weight fluctuates fluctuates plus or minus five pounds in general. So okay. to like constantly be weighing yourself, one day you're like, ooh, I gained two pounds. Yeah. Or, ooh, take a crap. Or like five we'll ounces. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like five ounces, great. Yeah. So I wouldn't be super hyper-focused on weighing yourself all the time. Okay. Like maybe once a week, maybe Every two weeks. And when I bought it, I told Montez, I was like, I just need to give you this scale so I don't become so obsessive. But each week I've been progressively getting progressively getting more obsessive with with weighing myself. And so maybe I just need to like give it to him and tell and, him. That. And like the number really doesn't say anything. But the issue about it is what we make the number mean. Yeah. That can be extremely discouraging. And I think, I mean, especially if you're someone who's an emotional eater, you see a number like that then that can just spiral into a downward. And then you feel even worse about yourself because like, okay, something happens that can be kind of stressful. Okay. I don't feel, I, I don't know necessarily how to, I feel about these feelings that I'm feeling it like maybe stress or overwhelm, disappointment, whatever. So I'm going to go grab something that makes me feel good. Mm. What makes me personally, what do I, what makes me feel good? Chocolate chip cookies, mm. ice cream, all the things. Love ice cream. And love good ice cream cone. <laughs> and so like you're eating, but you're not necessarily eating because like you're, you, you're hungry or you just want a little thing just because like, you know, I'm just going to have a little, no, you're eating because like something happened. Yeah. And so now a whole pint of ice cream's gone or I just ate 12 cookies. And now once again, I feel like crap about myself. And so now it's like this awful spiral yeah. of something happening and me not feeling good and then me going to the refrigerator eating something and then and then but where does it stop? So 
the breakdown is, I think, like, we need to find ourselves in create ways that we can deal with. I mean, like, say you step on the scale, like, how can we, first off, minimize how many times we're feeling bad about our bodies? What kind of, like, mind work? It's a mindset, like you said. Literally. Um, like, maybe it's a journaling thing. Like, I was actually thinking when you were talking earlier, like, have you for yourself defined what healthy looks like for you? No. And that's important because you're working towards something, but you have no clue what you're working towards. Maybe you have a vision in your head, but what is like a healthy angel actually look like? And what does a healthy angel mean to you? Yeah. Are you asking me right now? I mean, sure. I feel like I'm healthy now. Like, obviously I went to the doctor, like all my numbers came back really well. I live an active lifestyle. I work out five plus times a week. My steps, I getting a good amount of steps. I eat really healthy. I think I still just, because of what I look like, I still like equate healthy with skinny, unfortunately. And even though where I work, like I work for literally a plus size wellness influencer and like she does all this work around like helping us, helping people who live in bigger bodies feel like we are healthy at any size. And I know, and I believe that for other people. It's like, I believe that we can be healthy at any size. But for me personally, I'm like, my size needs to be not what it is. And I I hate that. And that's just something I need to work on personally. And I'm being very honest right now. So I don't want to be like judged for like my honesty. Um, I think it's just hard. I think, especially now that like becoming, like being really skinny is like back on trend. It's just like, I, I, I think I just need to take a break from my phone. I think that's what it is. Like, take a break from like social media and like being on my phone and like looking at all these bodies. So you're comparing? For sure I'm comparing. Yeah. 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 I. Which yeah. is super easy to do these days. Yeah. And I think I like seeing how fast people have lost weight and then like me working out every day, like thinking, you know, I'm going to lose weight. And like, who knows? I probably am. But it's like, I'm not seeing it like as fast as I want or something. Yeah. I remember I was working with this one one chick she was having, and this was kind of like near the end of us working together. But I remember a conversation uh, before our like closing session. And she was like, Robin, like, I've been doing everything you've been telling me to do. And this is somebody that actually told her to stop weighing herself because it just was becoming too much. Uh, whatever, every little shift on the scale like triggered something for her. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we're not going to do this anymore. Like, I, I had it in the program for you to do it, but if it's going to cause this much of an issue, we're not going to do it anymore. But like you said, like you see something in the mirror and that whatever you see in the mirror doesn't sit right with you because maybe you're comparing to whoever. And I remember her telling me like, Robin, I'm doing everything you're telling me to do, but I'm not seeing any results. Like I don't feel good in my body and the whole, the whole nine. And I was like, okay, heard, hear you. Um, you know, you inquire, why do you feel this way? What's happening? Like, is it true? Things like that. You have to like, because sometimes, you know, our brains make up stuff. Literally. Our brains Because I feel so good in my body, but hmm. it's just when I step on the scale. Because even I like the way I look, like most of the time I actually like the way I look. Hmm. But I think it's just like the number. I'm just like so fucking caught up on that number for some reason. So maybe for you... You do need to stay from the scale for a little bit and just continue to do exactly what you've been doing. Yeah, I think you're right. Dang. 
But this woman, I don't want to break up with the scale. Stop. <laughs> but this woman that um I was working with, she had a whole conversation with me. It was extremely like not motivating. But I remember our closing session like a week later. I was like, bitch, you lost sixteen pounds. Wow. What? Like when she, so when she finally went away from the scale. Yeah, when she stepped away from the scale and we did her closing session together, um, I like to do a comparison of, you know, I have people take pictures, front, side, back, whatever. Um, And then I put them together because also like, okay, cool, you see a number, but then they'll say something along the lines of, well, I don't see it. But when you see it together, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, snap. Okay, my my belly tightened up a little bit there. You know, I have a few a roll or two less here. So it's like sometimes you legit have to see the picture. You have yeah. to see the numbers, and also tracking. Like the biggest thing I love to track is where are you emotionally? How are you feeling about your career? How are you feeling about your relationships? How are you feeling about your education? How are you feeling? Because how you are in one area of your life, you are in the rest of your life. Mm. So relating the two and just. The more we create small steps into a healthier lifestyle, once again, it's all about behavior change to get you to where you want to be. Um, you might notice some other areas start to boost up too, which is amazing. People are like, Robin, I I hooked up with you for food and trying to get my nutrition right, but I actually do feel like calmer in my life. I feel like I have more peace of mind. I do feel more vibrant. I do feel more alive. I do feel a sense, a, a deeper sense of happiness. And it's because like, when we work on these behavior changes, um, yes, it impacts your health, but it also impacts every other area of your life as well. I love that. I feel like that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me here. I'm so grateful it, to knowing you and to being a part of your fostered. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Where I'm like constantly oversharing. I'm like, one day I'm going to get on here and not overshare. That should be a part of your intro. Hi, my name is Angel and this is The Fostered where I constantly overshare and have a great time doing it. Oh my know. gosh, I should redo my intro right now and say that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Stealing that for sure. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. If you want to know more about Robin and her work, you can follow her on Instagram where I'm making her post more because she has not been posting that much. I know. But she posted today, which is great. You're my coach. My social media coach. Yeah, I'm your social media coach. You're my health and wellness coach. And yes. get my mind right, coach. Hey. Yeah. This was fun. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Robin Renee with two N's. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Robin and Renee. And three E's. Say it one more time. R-O-B-I-N-N-R-E-N-E-E-E. Because apparently Robin Renee refuses to delete her unused account. We will add that in the show notes. And yeah, it was cool chatting with you. See you next week. Bye. Bye.